Hebrews chapter number 12, and we want the Word of God to take place in our hearts. We need to open our hearts to receive the Word of God. The Bible says that the Word of God endures forever. It says the grass withers, the flowers fade away, you know, and uh, all that stuff. But it says the Word of God, what? Endures forever. So let us pray. Father, we just thank you for your Word that you have uh, sent from heaven, Lord God. And we open our hearts this morning. We, we declare that we receive your Word into our hearts. We open our ears to hear what heaven has to say to us this day. Jesus, we thank you for all you have done for us. You are the living Word of God. Come now and take, abide in our hearts, Lord Jesus. In, Je in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Well, Resurrection Sunday. He is risen. He is risen indeed. In Hebrews chapter number 12, the Word of God, starting at verse number 1, says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and, and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Everything that we believe, the author is, is the one who, uh, who writes and establishes everything. But Jesus is the author. Our faith begins and ends with Jesus, who is the living Word of God. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You know, our faith is, needs to be, perfection means to be matured. Our faith, our belief in God, needs to grow on a daily, regular basis. We don't just get faith and that's it. We don't, we don't, we don't exercise it or we don't grow it or we don't look to have it, have it uh, take root in us and, and grow and produce. So faith needs to be matured. It says for Jesus who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. You see, when God, the Bible says in the fullness of time, God sent his only begotten son. So when Jesus came, when he was born of the Virgin, through the Virgin Mary, as he was born and he took on, as the Bible says, he took on flesh, he came with a purpose and a plan. He just happened, he just didn't happen to say, oh, what am I doing here one day? He came with a purpose and a plan. And he knew what his goal was. He had a mission to accomplish. You know, the military when they go out, they have a mission. The military is not just sent out into the field and told to do whatever they want to do. A unit has to go out, and they have to have a mission, and they have to accomplish that mission, whatever it takes. And we know that in, as we look at the military or throughout, the, throughout the ages, men and women go out there with a mission to preserve and protect our freedom. And they willingly, they were willing to lay down their lives so that you and I, who are not on that battlefield, can enjoy the freedom. Jesus came with a mission. He knew from the very beginning, from the foundations of the world, he saw Calvary's cross. And he knew that the day would come when he would have to take on flesh and go willingly to the cross. No man forced him to. No man made him go to that cross other than the love that God has for us, which made him go. So it says that he endured the cross. He needed to accomplish something. Then it was, the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So when Jesus came, 
He came with an intent to to uh, to set us free. But it says there was the joy that was set before him, meaning beyond the cross, Jesus saw and knew that there was a joy that was there once he got beyond the cross. You know, even Jesus himself, as we've seen and, and as we uh, just come through Good Friday, we bring into remembrance all that God, Christ has gone through going up to the cross, how he was uh, brutally beaten and, and, and uh, his body was uh, broken, you know, the skin and the blood shed. He endured all of that. He didn't have to. At any moment of any day, at any time, he could have just spoke and, and he could have fried every one of those guards that were around him. None of them could stand in the presence of Jesus. None of them had the power to overcome him. He willingly let himself be given over to, to all of that cruelty and all of that punishment because you and I could not endure the cross we cannot make a way to pay for our own sins, our transgressions against God. We had no way of making up to God for all of our sins. So God said he endured the cross. He willingly laid down his life for you and for me. And remember when we said Good Friday that when Jesus was on the cross, you know, he, he suffered. And I don't make light of the cross. He suffered. He was brutalized. But. That was his mission because when he was hanging on the cross and the, when he's ready to give up his life, when he was, it says he gave up, he gave up the ghost, the spirit of life. And when he was ready to give up, he shouted, the Bible says he shouted loudly, it is finished. And that it is finished was not a wimpy, it is finished. God is not a wimp. Jesus is not a wimp. Jesus is a warrior. He is a king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. And we need to understand that Jesus is not a wimp. He is a warrior. He is more than a conqueror. And when he was on Calvary's cross, when it was finished, when he bore your sins and mine, when the weight of the world, the sins of the world was upon him and he bore it, he then cried out, It is is finished and he shouted a shout of victory yes it is done and he hung his head and died because he saw the joy that was now going to come forth when jesus laid down his head and gave up the ghost he didn't die he didn't go to sleep god the bible says never slumbers nor sleeps you and i we have to go to bed at some time have any of us tried to stay up 24 hours I tried that when I was younger, foolishly. You know, I tried to say, how long can I stay up? I did that, you know, you know, I'm not thinking. And, and you know, you, you could go so long, and then that's it. You pass out. It's over. You know, you can only stay up so long. So we need, God made us where we have to go and get a certain amount of sleep. The more we sleep, the better. If we sleep too long, you know, we miss out on things, you know, like Rip Van Winkle, you know. But if we, we, we have to sleep a certain number of hours, and we have to get out, and be about business for the rest of the day. So we have like a schedule. There's a time to sleep, a time to wake up. But that's not the case with God. Thank God. You know, God, the Bible says, He never slumbers nor sleeps. 24-7, God is active. God doesn't need sleep like we do. 
You remember? And uh, you remember when uh, when Baal, when they, when they were out there with the prophets of Baal, and they were mocking him, and they were saying, where's Baal? You know, maybe he went on vacation. Maybe he fell asleep. Maybe he went to the bathroom. You know, they were, they, he, they were making fun of the god Baal because they said, God, our God, never slumbers nor sleeps. He doesn't go on vacation. He's there 24-7. So what happened when Jesus cried out on Calvary's cross? When he cried out, it is finished, what happened? Where did he go? Did he just uh, sit down and say, well, listen, I can't, I gotta wait for three days, you know, I can't do nothing, I'll just, uh, play some chuck or solitaire or something. What did Jesus do when he hung his head on Calvary's cross? He was always about the Father's business. The Bible tells us in Peter that he went down into the, into the depths of the prisons where their captives were. You know, when someone is taken and put in a prison, when someone is taken captive, they're put in a place of a holding pen, kind of. When someone is arrested, they're put in a place where they're held until such a time as they can go to what? Trial. They have to be judged. They have to be officially uh, go before a judge and try. But until that time, they're what? They're held, they're held in a prison. They're held captive and bound. But they haven't been judged or tried yet, have they? They have to wait until that day when they go before the judge, and then who sentenced them? The judge sentenced them to uh, whatever. He can either release them, or he can sentence them to whatever punishment fits the crime. So here, Jesus says that there were captives from the beginning of time that were in this place of holding beneath the earth. They were a place of holding, and it says that Jesus went, and he says he preached to the prisoners, to those who were held captive. What he said, we don't know. But we know that he is the good news of Christ. He is the good news of God. So Jesus went down and preached to those who were in prison. For those three days, when Christ was uh, apparently to the world, that his, he was dead and in a tomb, he wasn't there. The body was there, but he was in prison setting captives free. The whole purpose and plan of God is to deliver you and me, to set us free from captivity, to set us free from the punishment that we rightly deserve, to get us to a place where we can become justified, just as if I had never sinned, just as if I have never committed a crime, to be righteous in the Lord. And so Jesus went down and he set the captives free. And he says, uh, even... Uh, you know, resurrection means a return from the grave. And so as Jesus was down there, his disciples and everybody up on, up on top here, so to speak, they only saw, they couldn't see into the spiritual realm. How many of you can see into the spiritual realm? But you can look around at your neighbor and you can see them and you can see the houses and the cars. You can see the natural realm, but you cannot see with these natural eyes the spiritual realm. But is there a spiritual realm? Yes, there is. Is there activities going on in the spiritual realm that we know not of? Yes, there are. As the Word of God makes clear throughout the Bible, there's a lot of activity going on. There's a lot of warfare going on in the spiritual realm. Angels of God who are ministering spirits sent to serve are, are here to, to, to help you and to help us throughout this life. But there's a spiritual battle going on. And Jesus went down and he set the captives free. But while he was up here, and like I say, while the disciples were up here, they only saw the natural. They saw the, the body of Christ taken down. 
They saw him give up the ghost in the natural, and they saw the body taken down. They saw his body wrapped up in the grave clothes, put in the tomb. They saw that tomb, that uh, the, the stone rolled over the tomb, and they saw that watch of soldiers, of Roman soldiers. Uh, there were four of them in a watch, usually, normally. And the Bible says that, that the pilot, the, the chief priests and the scribes, and they went to uh, Pilate after Christ cried out with that victorious cry. It was a victorious cry that he cried out because the chief priest, and it says the centurion, and I'll, I'll repeat this a little bit, the centurion who was uh, a Roman, uh, uh, he, he was uh, the head of a hundred men in the Roman army. So this centurion, as I said Friday, he saw many men die. He knew what it was to see a man die. He knew what it was uh, to be in warfare. He was a centurion. He was a head of a hundred Roman warriors. And so there he was. And when he saw Jesus cry out with victory and the sky grew black and the earth shook and the rocks cracked, that centurion said, this man is the son of God. He said, "This is that wasn't just someone dying on a cross. His cry of victory in the sky shook the centurion to the depths of his very being. He cried out, the Bible says, truly, this man is the son of God. And he got down and worshipped God, a centurion who was a warrior in the Roman army. And so all the chief priests and the scribes, they started shaking. And they got nervous saying, maybe we made a mistake here. And they went to Pilate and they said, listen, he said he was going to rise again on the third day. And all the supernatural happenings out here, we're scared. We're worried. And we want you to seal and guard his tomb so that we make sure that he doesn't rise again like he said. Because we'd be in serious trouble if he did. And Pilate said to them, he was fed up with them. He knew that they were doing it, as we said, out of envy. And he said, look, you have a, a Roman soldiers assigned to you. You and, and they need to do what you told them to do. So you take them and you do whatever you see, whatever you seem fit. So they took the Roman soldiers who were accountable to the Roman army, but they were assigned. Their mission was to stand with the chief priests and to do whatever they said to do, but their accountability was with the Roman army, with the head of the Roman army. And so the chief priests and the scribes, they said, the Bible says they went and they examined the tomb. They made sure Jesus was in there. They made sure because they were afraid that he would rise again on the third day. So they made sure. They examined everything closely. They rolled the stone over and they sealed it, the Bible says, with a seal. And they set these four Roman soldiers to stand guard around that tomb to make sure he didn't come out or someone else didn't try to go in. Now, if that seal was broken, those Roman soldiers would be immediately put to death. The, the Roman law was that they would be crucified upside down if they fell asleep on their watch on guard duty. And if you were in the military, you know the seriousness of being on guard duty. I was in the service, and I know you didn't think of falling asleep on guard duty because you would be in serious trouble. You would, and the lives of the men that were counting on you would be at jeopardy. So guard duty, on guard duty was a serious thing. So these guards were on guard duty. So for them to fall asleep, all four of them, was would be unnatural. And for that stone, which was huge, to be rolled away while they were sleeping and them not hear a thing, it doesn't make sense. But the Bible says that on the, on the third day, it says there was, there was an earthquake. 
the earth began to shake again. Now remember, the earth shook when Christ was on Calvary. And here it says, an angel from heaven. Now, an angel from heaven is not like you or me. You know, we can try jumping up and down and creating an earthquake. Try that. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care what title is over your name. You try and create an earthquake, jump up and down, stamp your feet, go into a fit, whatever you want. You'll never create an earthquake. But an angel sent down from heaven, the minute his foot touched the earth, an earthquake, it says, shook the whole place, and it says the brightness of these angels, angels are mighty. They're awesome. There's like nothing we can compare. I can look, you can look at any man on the face of this earth, and as big or strong as he is, is like a fly, a mosquito compared to an angel of God. This angel of God came down, his feet touched the thing, and it says those soldiers, whose lives were in jeopardy if that stone was moved, if that seal was broken, they knew they had nothing left but to die, to give up their lives. And the angel came down. These guys fainted. Warriors. These guys are warriors. They're guard guard duty. And here they are fainting like, woo You know, that's it. They're, they're gone. They're history. But there were two women who were standing there who were believers. And the Bible says they didn't faint. They didn't pass out. They were able to stand in the presence of these holy angels. You see, when you're not a believer of God, when you have no faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not be able to stand in the presence of even a holy angel of God. The awesomeness of it will, will, just, will just do you in. But the believers, the two women, now who's got more strength? A woman or a warrior of the Roman army? Think about it. Come on, be honest. You think a woman can go up to a warrior, a soldier in the Roman army and say, come on. You know, it's not going to happen. These are men trained for battle, trained to endure with strength. And, and the Bible says that these women, behold the angels, and the angels said, fear not, because they roll the stone away. And while these soldiers were out, you know, it, it, the, the tomb was rolled away, and they said, Jesus is not here. He is risen from the dead. And the soldiers, when, when they, and they, they got up, and, and they, they uh, ran to tell everybody that Jesus was alive. And meanwhile, the soldiers get up, and they see the, the stone rolled away, and the seal's broken. They look in, the body's gone. Now they're in serious trouble. What do you do? Four soldiers now who know that the next step is they're going to be crucified upside down. So what do they do? They don't go to the Rome. They don't go to their commanding officer in Rome. They go to the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees, and they say, listen, something happened. He's gone. The stone is rolled away. The seal's broken. And so the chief priests and the scribes, they were shaken too, and they said, look, the Bible says they gave them large sums of money and said, I want you to go say, tell a lie. I want you to lie and say that his disciples came and stole his body while you were asleep. And if the, if it comes to the, 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 the ears of the governor, we'll stick up for you. So they had no choice. These Roman soldiers had no choice. They either had to take the money and, and hope that they'll speak up for them, or if they went to their commander, they would immediately be put to death. What would you do? You know, so they lied. You know, we should be honest. We shouldn't, we shouldn't lie. We should be honest. But they went to the chief priest and they took the money and they spread the lie that the disciples stole the body. Ridiculous. Absolutely absurd when you think about it. 
And so they, they, that's where that story came from. But the Bible says, you know, as Jesus was walking with his uh, disciples previous to his crucifixion, he kept teaching them and he kept telling them that I will be, my mission is to go to the cross and be crucified and in three days I'll rise again. And they couldn't get it. They couldn't understand. They couldn't, they couldn't sink in at that time. You know, they, they were having a good time with Jesus raising the dead and, and healing everybody, making blind eyes open and deaf ears to hear. So they were, they were focused on what was happening now and they couldn't, they couldn't grasp. He, he, he was trying to tell them, look, I'm not going to be with you forever. I'm going to have to go to the cross and, and, and give my life up. And in three days, but in three days, I will rise again. He said, and in three days you will see me. He, he says, he kept telling him that in Matthew and John and Mark, he kept telling him that. And, uh, even before the resurrection, we, we see where, uh, uh, he, he had, uh, gone down and he had set the captives free. He preached to those who were in captivity. You see, the Bible says in Amos, he says that God doesn't do anything without first revealing what he's gonna do to his prophets. So nothing is a surprise in the word of God. Everything that Jesus did, he never surprised anyone with what he was going to do. He tried to tell them from the Old Testament, even through the New. He tried to get it through to his disciples. Listen, I have to go to Calvary's cross. I have to be crucified, but I will rise again on the third day. Then, then, he says, you know, everything is going to be new. He said, and then the Holy Spirit will come upon you. They couldn't understand this. They grasped it. Because when he died, they were, they were, uh, they went into hiding. You know, at the cross, there was John and, and, and Mary were there and some others. The other ones all scattered. Wow, really good friends, huh? Isn't that like today? You know, when, when everything is going well in your life, you know, if, you, if, you're, uh, if, you're, if you're doing well, if you're prospering, everybody wants to come and be your friend. And, and God forbid, if you hit the lottery, man, you'll, you'll get all kinds of people coming around. You know, hey, remember me? You know, you'll, you'll get that. Hey, remember me? You know, I'm your long-lost love, your friend, your old buddy, you know. And, and uh, so your doorbell will ring, your phone will ring when things are going well and people want to be with you. But the minute... Things start going seemingly down a little bit. Then, you know, everybody is like, oh, hey, uh, you know, I really got some other plans. I'll see you later. You know, and, and little by little, your, your friends kind of fade away. The worse things get, the less friends you have. And only a true friend will stick with you through, through the worst of times. And that's the truth. That's the truth. If you live in the face of this earth, you'll say that that's the truth. You'll, if you find one or two good friends that will stick with you through the toughest, horriblest times of your life, you're blessed because a lot of times you'll find yourself alone. All your friends will be gone. And uh, so here, uh, why was I saying that? Because Jesus' friends left him. Thank God for a good wife. Amen. You know, I was, I was saying we, we were doing a study in Genesis, and, and we, were, we, were, we were recalling how, uh, how, how uh, the scientists and medical, uh, the, the medical field and all say that we only operate on 10% of our brain. So... You know, the other 90% will be reactivated when we get to heaven. That's the truth. And so I'm only, we only operate on 10% of, of what we're able to. It's like, you know, you're, you know, you can only operate, your processor is only operating at uh, a small percentage of what it's capable of. So anyway, his friends, Jesus' disciples all left him. And they were, they were up there in the upper room and, and they were in different places. They were locking the doors because they knew the chief priests and the scribes 
were they they didn't want to hear about this and that they might Jesus was crucified and now they might be next on the hit list. You know what I'm saying? The chief priests and the scribes, the the religious leaders, they had a hit list. Yes, they did. Lazarus, you know, I I said this before. They wanted to kill Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the dead. The religious leaders, they said, hey, he raised him from the dead. We want to kill him again. You know, and so you think about it. Your religious leaders, they should have said, well, glory to God. Here he is, risen. But they said, the Bible says it, they they wanted, they planned to kill Lazarus. And so do you think the disciples were on the hit list too? Yes, they were. So they were in the room. They locked the doors and stuff. And Jesus, you know, Jesus says, uh, he kept saying that, my, I pray that my joy be in you and that your joy be full. God is a God who is a God of joy. He, he's not some God that you look at with a stern, nasty face looking to say, get it right, pal, or else, you know? It's, he's, he's the one who, he wants us to do right. He wants us to do good. But he's not up there like, you know, with some kind of attitude looking at you say, hey, you know, hey, what you know, he's, he's a God of joy. He's got joy in his life. And he says that my joy be in you and, and your joy be full. He said he wanted that. And it says, for the joy that was set before him. See, he saw joy beyond the cross. He saw joy in our lives. God wants us to live lives filled with joy and with gladness. That's why the Bible says, come before his presence with, with, with joy, with gladness, with singing, with it, with, you know, with, with a vibrancy, with being alive. You know, don't come creeping or crawling to God. That's not the God that is in the Bible. That's not the God that we serve. That's the God of the, 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 the scribes and the Pharisees who want you to come crawling. But God that is revealed to us through the Word of God is a God who wants us to come before him boldly. His Bible says, come boldly before the throne of grace that you might find help and grace in a time of need. He wants the joy and gladness in our lives. We serve a risen Savior who is full of joy. Joy is his, is his middle name, you might say. And so here the disciples, they're, they're locked in their room. And so Jesus, you got to think about Jesus. Now, he's risen. Now, when he, when he rose from the grave, when he came out, he didn't let anyone see him coming out of the grave. And, and Mary and them, they, they went back, and, and the, the Bible says that Jesus was kind of, it says he, he appeared to them as a gardener. Now, why did Jesus kind of, you think about it, like disguise himself? He wanted to have, you know, I'm sure he had, like my wife said, a twinkle in his eye, and he was full of joy and stuff. But he was kind of like, he didn't want her to, to, to quickly see who he was. And he says, you know, who are you looking for? And she says, oh, Jesus. And he says, Joy, here I am. Then he revealed himself, like here I am. You know, he's a he's a God who's a, you know, he he was having a little, I guess, fun. You might say, I, I want to I want to take the seriousness, but he wants he's a God who wants to like, you know, yes, it's me. I was surprised, it's me. You know, and so she ran back. Now here's all his disciples, all these brave men who followed him and said, oh, we'll give our lives for you no matter what. You know, we'll follow you through thick and thin. And here he is now. They're in the they're in the room. The doors are locked. Think about it. You go in the room and say, hey, hey, Mike, lock that door in case you make sure the doors are locked here. They're in the room, and what does Jesus do? Jesus comes. He could have knocked on the door. Hey, guys, open up. It's me. Who? Jesus. But did Jesus do that? No, the Bible says, and you can read it, it says in his glorified body, he walked right through and <laughs> into their midst. And it's like, Whoa! You know, here comes Jesus walking through, and they're like, "Surprise! Hi, guys! It's me." You see, you see what you see what I'm saying? God, he he, the joy. He wants to bring them joy. He doesn't want them to live in fear and trembling and anxiety. But he he walked through 
the, the, the whole, he came right through the walls, right through the door, the Bible says. And so we can't comprehend what our glorified body is going to be like. It's going to be like that. We're not going to be bound by walls and, and wood or steel or anything like that. So our glorified bodies are beyond our comprehension, but Jesus had a glorified body. He wasn't a ghost. He wasn't a, some kind of a supernatural spook. He was, a, he was a, like a, he had a, he had a body that they could touch. Because remember he said, Thomas says, uh, they were in the room again afterwards, and again he walked through, and Thomas says, oh, unless I touch you, I, I can't, I won't believe, you might be just an apparition. So Jesus said, Thomas, come on, touch me. Touch me, Thomas. And Thomas touched him, and he says he believed, right? So Jesus was touchable. He wasn't, he wasn't some kind of spooky, uh, eerie apparition. It was, he was appeared to them in a glorified body. He was real. He was a savior and a lord. And he was like coming on them like, come on guys, come on, put a smile on your face. You know, there's seriousness about serving God and walking with the Lord. Yes, there is. But there's joy also. And so God was trying to break that cloud of, uh, you know, of despair and stuff from them and saying, come on. Get joy in your life now. Here I am. I'm alive. And even when Mary was out there, he, he said, joy, Mary, joy. He said, you know, and, and they rejoiced in all that stuff. And then the other account, which, which I love too, is where uh, after he had risen, uh, Peter and them, they were out on the boat fishing. And Jesus went on the shore. And he again, he didn't make himself readily known to them. He, he just kind of, you know, hey, what are you guys doing out there? You know, here they are fishing. And they're, you know, they're, they, they don't know. Uh, where Jesus is, and he said, "What are you guys doing?" Oh, we're fishing. He said, "Well, cast your net on the other side," and and they cast their net, and they and the net almost broke. And then Peter, it says, he realized it was the Lord. It says he threw off all his clothes. Here he is, jumping naked into the water, swimming over to Jesus. That's what the Bible says. Read it. And he he ran over there to Jesus. And what is Jesus doing? He's got a charcoal fire going in Gospel of John, chapter 20 and 21. Read it. He's got a charcoal fire going, and he's got a fish on it. And he said, hey, you guys got any fish? <laughs> Think about it. He just told them, you know, throw your net over. They pulled up more than And here he is asking them, hey, guys got any fish? And so he, he, he got them together, and it says they, they had a charcoal fire. They were they were cooking fish and eating. So Jesus was, a, was real. And you see the joy. You see how Jesus is. He, he wants to be a... Uh, he wants fellowship, good fellowship. And then afterwards, Jesus got a little serious with Peter, and he said, Peter, do you love me? After they had a good time, after they had fellowship. See, there's a time to be joyful in the presence of God. And there's a time to sit down and, and learn and read and meditate. Later, after they had fellowship, they sat down and he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yeah. He said, feed my sheep. And it goes on to say, and he went on to teach them, but you see how Jesus wants joy in their life. He wants to get into your everyday activities in life. That's the risen Savior that we serve. He wants to be part of your life, in your life. That's why the Bible says, He will never leave you nor forsake you. He says, I am with you always to the ends of the world, He says. And, and so we got to realize that He is a risen Savior who, who loves us and cares about us. And that's when He said to, to Mary and and Martha, he said, he said, Mary, when remember when Lazarus had died and Jesus rose and called him forth and he came, he said, Mary, he says, uh, do you believe that I am the, the she, she says, you are the resurrection. And he says, Mary, he says, do you believe I am the resurrection and the life? He said, whoever believes on me will never die, meaning spiritually, not physically. 
How many of you know the Bible says that it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment? So if every one of us will die physically, but spiritually we don't die. But the Bible says if you believe in me that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, you will never die. And if you die, yet you will live, the Bible says, because he is a risen Savior seated at the right hand of God the Father. And so we see that he, he said, and he said, Mary, do you believe this? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? And Mary said, yes, Lord, I believe. Do you believe today that Jesus is the risen Savior and risen Lord? And that's the question that God asks every one of you here today. Do you believe that Jesus is risen from the dead? If you do, the Bible says you have, and you ask Jesus Christ into your life, you have to ask the Bible. Jesus says very clearly, after all that he's done, he paid a price that you and I could not pay on Calvary's cross. He went down, set the captives free in prison. He came up to set us free. All of us who will believe on his name, he will set us free, the Bible says. Otherwise, the Bible says that there will be a future resurrection. God does nothing without warning us ahead of time. The Bible says Jesus rose the first resurrection, and he says that if you believe on him, you'll never die. But there's going to be a second resurrection, the Bible makes very clear in the book of Revelation, uh, in Daniel, uh, in Second Corinthians, uh, throughout the word of God, there's going to be a second resurrection. And it says that resurrection is going to be a resurrection to judgment, to the white throne judgment, to, the, to before God Almighty. And those who do not believe on Jesus Christ will be judged. Remember I said when a man is taken captive for committing a crime, he's put in a holding place until he can be brought before the judge to try to determine whether he gets set free or he gets the punishment that is due him. Well, it's like that for us. We're in that place now where we're being held and we have to make a decision right now. And that if we decide that we believe on Jesus Christ, that he bore my sin on Calvary's cross, and that he is my risen Savior, and Lord, come into my life, I will follow you and walk with you all the days of my life. I want you to be my Savior and Lord. Then you are justified, just as if you had never sinned or committed any crime before God. That's where the Bible said he came to make peace on earth. Not peace with the nations as we know it. There will never be peace with the nations. The Bible said he came to make peace with you and with God. And so the Bible says that if you accept Christ into your life and into your heart, then you are your name. The Bible says your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And when you're on that day, the Bible says that you are set free. There is no sin, no iniquity, no unrighteousness found in you because you you are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. But if your name is not in that book, the Bible says that all those, all those whose names were not found written in the book of life, this is what the Word of God says. This is not something I make up. This is not something, I, an idea that I get. It's what the Word of God says, that if your name is not found written in the book of life, it's all over. You will be cast into outer darkness forever, separated from the love of God never again to have an opportunity to come into the household of God. And the Bible says the choice is ours. God has made the way for us. He has opened the door and he calls us. And I want to tell you a story before I close here. I had an uncle. His name was uh, 
uh, I, well, I can say his name. He's, uh, his, his name was Tom. He was a good man. I worked with him for many years. And uh, one day he was, uh, we, we used to sand floors when I was a teenager. And uh, he found this little book in a closet of one of the houses that we were doing one day. And in that book, it was a little book, a few pages, and it says that, that, that God, the resurrection of Christ, was not real and that Jesus wasn't real. And for some reason, he believed that little book. And I would try to talk to him. When I, when I gave my heart to the Lord and I became saved, I, I tried to talk to him. He was a, he was a good man. He would, he would help you in a second. If you needed something, he would help you. He, he was good. I, I, I couldn't say he was a bad man. Uh, he, was, he was a good man. And I tried to tell him, Uncle Tommy, listen, you know, the Bible says that, you know, that you need to get, call on the Lord Jesus to forgive you of your sins. And he said, I'm a good man. I have never said, I'm a good man, and, and I, I don't want to hear that. I'm a good man. And I said, yes, Uncle Tommy, you're a good man. You do good. I said, but the Bible says everyone, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not me. Not me. I don't believe it. Not me. I said, but Uncle Tommy, everyone, not me, not me. One day he had a heart attack, and he was in the hospital, and they, 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 his heart had stopped, and they got him, and they were doing that, what do you call, resuscitation on him. And he was dead for two, three minutes, and they got him back to life. And two days later, he called me to his hospital bed, and he said, uh, he left a message, please come quickly. So I went, and I said, yeah, Uncle Tommy, what is it? He said, I have to talk to you because only you can understand this. He said, everybody else will think I'm crazy. I said, what is it? He said, I died on that table. He says, I believe I died. They told me I was dead. He said, and I saw myself leave my body. He said, and I was in darkness. He said, and all of a sudden, he said, I saw a man shaped like a door. He said, and it was like, I can't describe it. He said, but it was like a door, a man shaped like a door, and he was calling my name, Tommy, Tommy, come, come to me. And he says, I wanted to go. He said, I wanted to go. He said, but then I said, no, I'm not going. He said, and then he said, it kept calling me, and I kept saying, no, I'm not going. He said, and, and then it went away. He said, and then I woke up. He said, what does that mean? I said, Uncle Tommy. He said, the Bible says, Jesus says, I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I said, what you just described to me was Jesus calling you to give your life, to come through that door that you'll have eternal life. He's calling you. No, I can't believe that. No. I said, but Tommy, how can you not know? He said, it was real, but I, I, he said, I'm a good man. I'm a good man. I don't need a, I don't need a, a, I don't believe I'm, I sin. And I tried to tell him, I said, Tommy, this is what you need to do. Call upon Jesus. Ask him to forgive you of your sin and ask him into your life. And he just listened to me, and he didn't say yes or no, but I left his side. The next day he died. Whether or not he accepted Christ into his life, I'll never know. But what he described to me was awesome. I'll never forget it, that Jesus calls out our names because we don't know when our life is going to end. It could be suddenly. It could be quickly. We don't know. But unless we ask Jesus into our life, He's the resurrection and the life. He is a living Savior, a living God who rules and reigns and is calling you to come into that life that he has. The Bible says, I have gone to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. You see, 
He's making plans for you to be with him for eternity. And only us, we're the only ones who can tell him no or yes. I said yes. Lord, um, I want to be with you. I want life everlasting with you. And it's not because I'm anyone good. When I got saved, I knew. Nobody had to tell me I was a sinner. I knew I was a sinner. You didn't have to come to me and say, hey, hey, brother Al, you're, you know, you're a sinner. You didn't have to tell me that. I know that. I know that. But how am I going to get my sins clean? And that's when I heard the gospel and I said, yes, Lord, you're the only one. Cleanse me. And instantly, in my case, God transformed my life around. And someday I'll give you my testimony. But Jesus is a risen Savior. And he's calling us to fellowship with him. And I want to ask you this morning as we close, have you asked Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life? Have you asked that risen Savior to come into your life? 